Welcome to Music Made Me, the TuneCore podcast. I'm John Sierra Reinecker, and I'm going to be your host on today's episode. Today, we're talking with recording artist Cy Ari the Kid. Welcome. How you doing? I'm you so doing? excited that you're here. You know I love you. You know I rock with you the long <laughs> way. You know it's just a family affair. Yay. Yeah. So let's start here. Where are you originally from? I was uh, born in the Bronx, and I was raised in Atlanta, on the north side of Atlanta. What part of the Bronx? Because I grew up in the Bronx. The Grand Concourse. So my address was basically 779 Concourse Village East. Bronx, New York, 10451, DeVille. Did we ever talk about this? <laughs> you know what? No. Nah, you know, you know, I was just I was just there. That's that's where Diana slept last night. She was in she was on the west side though. In I 800. Did not, that's where I'm yeah. from. You in the 800 building? Yeah. My yeah. parents still live there. For real? Yeah. I'm dead my, my, my cousin lives on in 20K. Oh, in cool. Where you can see the Yankee Stadium from the uh, the old Yankee Stadium yeah. from the terrace and all that. It was crazy yeah. going up there because I could hear the crowd <coughs> from Yankee Stadium. Yeah, yeah. for sure. Yeah. Uh-huh. Nice. I didn't know that. Okay, we'll get into yeah, that later. That's where I'm from. Yep. <laughs> so what brought you to Atlanta? Uh, I think my parents were at a point where my mom was the youngest of my grandmother's children. So she was just um, very frustrated with New York, the family, the, a lot of the drama and stuff. So um, she wanted to pack up her bags and go. Um, there was just a lot of stuff going on. So she wanted better things for her kids, herself. She wanted to graduate. She graduated from Clark University, wanted to go to school, finish school. Um, so it was that my mom was trying to better her. And it was a very, very good decision, um, especially especially for me, you know, as I grew up in Atlanta, started to take over music, and then I started to, to do music. It was good. Wow. Yeah. So speaking of Atlanta, how has the music scene here influenced you in your career? Uh, I mean, huge, because when you, I mean, I'm born where, I was born where hip hop was originated, right? Yeah. So you go from there, and then when I moved to Atlanta, it was like it was hard for me to adjust. I wasn't really, I wasn't really taken into the to the liking of music for real. But um, you have to understand that music and hip hop is a culture. It's not always just about bars and the actual beat, right? So once I started to adapt to the culture, the women, how everybody talked, you know, went to the hood and ate some food, went to the teen clubs when I was a kid. Um, and did all of that, I started to adjust a little bit. So I started coming up on, like, you know, um, T.I., like, uh, when he had, like, Still Ain't Forgave Myself and Dope Boys in the Trap, then, uh, you know, Outkast, Equimini, um, 3-6 Mafia was killing, you know what I'm saying, and Pastor Troy was doing his thing. Like, <laughs> I knew all, like, all that stuff word for word. So then I started to understand, like, why they, why they talk the way they talk, you know, and then my accent started to change back and forth. Like, I would start to get a little country, but then... <laughs> When I um when I get upset, it goes all the way back to New York, like how Jamaicans <laughs> do a little bit. So yeah, I mean, but Atlanta was huge for me because it. The more you move around and open your eyes, it it opens you. You become more open minded, and um I grew up into the culture and I was able to bump into so many people that are such that are such huge play huge parts of the game and what Atlanta is and what the music game is, that no one can really tell me much about my sound or anything because it's like I've seen it grow up. I've seen it grow up right in front of my eyes, like not from a fan perspective, but both, like hands-on, worked with them. I feel like I added a few things. Even when I go to New York and I hear New York artists, I'm just like, wow, like y'all really don't even, y'all really sound like Atlanta. Like it's like hard, very strong. And um, some of it sounds good. Some of it's just like, yo, you don't even know the culture. That's why y'all... Don't really understand it. So Atlanta was huge for me. Awesome. So let's talk a little bit about 
what led you to even get into music to begin with? So what inspired you to get into this field? My brother, my brother was a huge fan of Wu Tang, and he thought he was like Dariza, <laughs> my older brother. So my older brother used to rap like him and make beats like him. My dad had like this little Yamaha keyboard, cheap ass keyboard, and um, they would uh, he would make beats on it. And on the way to school, cause we had moved from Sandy Springs to Marietta. Um, where I went to, um, and so my brother would, um, he would still drive me to school because I, I was still going to school in Sandy Springs until I got transferred, even though he went to high school. So in the car, we would freestyle to the beats. And my my cousin was a little younger than my brother, but he was older than me. My mother had moved one of my cousins out that was in that 800 building in the Ville, and um, he moved my cousin Randall out there. And my cousin Randall used to listen to Big L, and uh, and. So I I had a mixture like Wu Tang and Big L in my ear like uh, at a fast rate. So um, I started to rap, try to write like them in middle school. And I mean, even when I was lying about my stuff because I was trying to rap about what they was rapping about. But that's what kind of got me started, like on the freestyling and writing a lot. I didn't take it serious at that time, no, not until like after school. Yeah, you know. So, as an independent artist, what would you say is the most rewarding aspect of being independent? Um, okay, because that word independent, in my, in my opinion, is like, independent in the industry is like love, the word love in, personal, in the personal like world, right? And I say that in the sense of my meter for love in a personal life is extremely high because I had like both my parents, they value love, you know, unconditional love, right? So everyone's love isn't unconditional. Now I word that back to independent because you hear, you know, stay independent, go independent, you know, it's the best thing to do and it and it really, really is. But that word doesn't necessarily work for everyone. Because independent comes with a lot of extra steps, a lot of extra work. Um, your face card has to be very consistent, very good. Your, um, your team has to be solid. Um, mistakes have to either be at minimal or extremely learned from. Um, you have to know how to plan and execute. And, and it, you have to be a very good leader or someone around that has to be that. And if you don't have those things, that word independent won't mean very much to you because you'll, you'll be independent but you'll, you'll notice you won't grow. You know, you won't. So it's hard to tell somebody who isn't growing and progressing, hey, man, stay independent. They're like, why? Like, I, it's not working. I mean, I don't really know what to do, right? Um, but for a person like me who loves challenges, who loves to meet new people, who loves to network, um, who loves to keep a very good reputation, knows how to keep his word, um, it, it, it benefits, you know? And I like to accept the challenges as I learn the process going up. And the way the industry is now, in my personal opinion, at some point, I believe independency is best because of how the game is. It's just even artists that, that are under a major now, I think they should finish their term and go, you know, whoever you did business with in that time, keep your relationship with them. You know, you can still call your radio reps or your PRs and go independent. There's no reason for you to give up these distribution rights or if you don't have to, you know, because I've been on both ends of the table. You know, I've done a lot of it on my own and I've done, and when I say my own, I mean like with my team, you know what I'm saying? Not like one man army, which I've never been, you know, so I've always had, um, whether I got rid of people on my team or I've had a great team around me that I kept around me, you know what I'm saying? So, um, and that's what independency is about. And if you don't have that, 
Trust me, it's just, it's just like even in personal life when people, you know, they want to, you know, move out their parents' house and want to be grown, but they don't necessarily have the two. They end up going to dance, you know, strip or, you know, do something that they that's not really something that God put them on this earth here to do. And that's the same. It's all the same thing. You know, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. So, uh, but for, for, for people who are willing to accept the challenge to be a boss and be a great leader and know how to coach and also adjust with the game. You you can't have the same mentality as back in the day if you knew independency back then and didn't think it's going to... No, it doesn't work like that. You have to be willing to adjust and accept the changes because a lot of the changes, maybe the sound could be different and that may bother some people. But, um, but I love when the sound changes, but the business has only changed for the better. When you hear all of these stories on the... The Breakfast Club and Hot 97 and all of these people who get these interviews and you hear all of the artists that we looked up to and glorified, it's like you either hear the artists under the main artists, they were broke. Like I had seen like, I think it was somebody from State Property was like, yeah, we, we was on a, we was with, we was with Jay-Z and them, but we was, we didn't have nothing. Like we was broke. Like we wasn't getting paid for shows. I was like, what? Like I don't even walk into a show until I get my back in. Like I'm not moving. Like I'm not even I'm not even lock I'm not even going to the show till I get my front end. You, I'm not even don't even post me on your flyer. Right. So so to hear the goats talk like this, or to even know that wow, like why was the person even ahead of them letting them do that? I don't get it. As smart as they were, why would they even carry people along to do those things? Like you understand what I'm saying? So that's kind of what happened. I seen the new edition stories. I was watching the um uh, like all all of those. Like I was like wow, like. They really had no idea what business they were doing, right. you know. So, so when you when you're like that, I mean, I don't see you winning, and I don't see you going independent doing your thing. Yeah. And clearly, you wasn't doing your thing. I mean, you was doing your thing under somebody, but that even. Well, I had seen Jim Jones when he was crying on the Breakfast Club about. Um, I don't really know the whole story, but he said something about he started something, and then Cameron went and. Um, created he, st- he created like an LLC or made it an actual business without him, you know. So, but that goes on both ends to me. It's not just bad on Cameron's part because that that's weird to me because I would probably tell my man, yo, you got something really dope going on, right? You got something really dope going on, and I think you should do this. Or I notice you may not. I don't think you have the tools to do it on your own. I'm gonna do it with you, but I'm gonna need my part. I don't know if I'm gonna just go do it 100% without you on paper and let you just build it up and put all the work in on the, in the street, or on the other hand, he just repping it and it looks cool on camera, but you're not making any dollars from it. You're not trademarking it. There's there's no merch coming in your name. So it's just so many ways that you got to look at it, and that's where the game now is beautiful because you can go around all of that, like the distribution. You know, um, collecting. There's more ways to collect royalties. There's ways to to um, promote and put the music through Facebook and collect it now. Like a lot of the things that TuneCore does that I extremely love. I have to log into the site sometimes just because they may have something new that is just another way to make another revenue or something like that. And I could not only do it for myself, but let my people know, yo, make sure you clicked on that. It's not just like a, a little free ad on the internet page. No, it's really something that could, that could work, you know? Yeah. So I want to kind of backtrack a little bit and go back to the part where you were talking about like, the fact that you're not a one-man army, because that's such an important thing to keep in mind. And I think a lot of independent artists 
they have the assumption that they have to be a one man army or they need to be a one man army no. to, be, to be successful. So let's talk <clears throat> about you and like your business team, like in terms of giving advice to our independent artists that are out there listening to this, right. you know, what are the key players that they need to have on their business team? Um, when I first came out, like I had too many people around me, like people that know me, like especially on the north side of Atlanta, like back when everything was going, like you know, Waka Flocka had their movement, Roscoe Dash had all the way turned up, which I recorded, like you know, I recorded that song when everybody started saying turned up, like uh, or Travis Travis Porter had they they movement going. We all kind of was moving at the same time, you know. I, we was going to the club with like 50, 60 people, you know. Um, I don't like doing that no more. Like I try to go, like I pull up. If I'm booked for something, I'm pulling up with a road manager, my driver, security guard, and maybe like one of my mans. That's it. You know what I'm saying? Or, or when I'm handling business, it may just be me, Diana, and my dog, Sherv, and my security guard, four people. You know what I'm saying? So yeah. Everybody has to know know and have their role. You know what I'm saying? So before you, you know, before you know the ropes, you gotta know your role. You know, you know what I'm saying? So, and I tell people that it's like people, especially in this game, they'll take people around them like, oh yo, because sometimes you may be moving so fast and you get to another point and somebody else is just like, yo, I wanna, I wanna go along, but you haven't put them in a position that just running in straight. Now, and it'll, it'll, it'll work for a second. It'll look real good. Yeah, yeah, you know, whoopie whooper. You know, they come through and they, and, and I ask, yo, what's their position? At some point, they should be making money. You shouldn't even want them moving around with you unless they know their position. Okay, look, yo, if you do your thing for about six months, you know, maybe I'll start you on, on a payroll, you know, after, you know, I peep how you move. And if not, you know, you go your separate way and take what you learn, you know? Yeah. So um, I had to learn that. <clears throat> I was letting so many people just roll with me. Now I'm noticing, like, man, like, maybe one night every – the 50, 60 people in the club thing didn't work. Maybe the promoter was like, no, you know, you get 20 people in and other people got to pay. And now they're looking at, now I got to choose my favorite 20. <laughs> now, now the other 30 all of a sudden is, you know, they, you know, some of them, some of them, like five of them may be like, oh, I'm going I'm, I'm to pay, bro, so I'm, I'm here to support. But there's going to be another five that's like, pay, like, damn, bro, it's like that, you know? So it's like at some point that it catches up to you. You know, less is more, bro. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Less is more, keep playing. But as, as you grow, you become a better coach. You start to um, learn how to hire, you know, and then you also learn, have to learn how to, if you know how to hire, you got to know how to fire. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? And that's just, that's just how tough it is yeah. as being the leader and being independent and keeping those role players. And that word, I, if I ever say I, I'm not, I've never literally done anything in my life on my own, ever. Um, and I don't like people that word it like that. Like the, and, and people, even people in this industry, they'll go, they'll go get a deal with somebody, and then later on they'll be like, "Oh, I did this," or "I," but nothing happens solo. Like everything's a chain reaction. Like I, I have to tell people all the time that, oh, like when I explain how I I linked up with Sway, or you know, I knew a woman that knew Freddie Fox, Bumpy Knuckles, who's one of my mentors, right? And he's very close with Sway and DJ Premier, people that I glorified as I was growing up, right? And he connected me with them. So, And then when I met Sway, I didn't meet him at a business setting. I met him at a dinner. You know, he was sitting with, like, you know, Greg Tees and everybody and somebody from Pandora, Apple Music. He introduced me to these people, which also led me to meeting Greg, which is how I 
built my relationship to get on, you know, the front of Apple Music and iTunes and look at that chain reaction. But then the people will go, how'd you do that? I'll be like, oh, man, you know, I'm popping. Or I, you know, I've been working, man. I've been, but no, that's not true. You know, that's how far back that story goes. And, it, and Bump didn't have to do that. Also, Sway didn't have to. Sway, Sway could have Sway said, yeah, I'm having a dinner right now. I'll meet you after. Right. Because he was sitting with all those streaming platforms at that table, but he knew that. And the moment I got there, as soon as I, as soon as I shook everybody's hand, he said, no, get his information. No, no, get his information. He wanted me to meet more people. And I'll never forget those things. That's why when I do see them again, I always remind them, yo, if you need something, just ask me. I don't care what it is. I don't care if it's a verse for your grandmother and she don't even rap. She just started a SoundCloud <laughs> cloud link. You know, and and that's how relationships go. Everything's about family. You know what I'm saying? And um, and that, and that's what it's about for me in the game. You know. I think you just tapped on something that's so so important, and it's being humble, staying yeah. humble. Yeah. And I think that that definitely attributes to your success and the success that is to come for you. Right. I think that a lot of times people don't stay humble. They mm. have a jacked up character and they wonder why they're not like further ahead. So mm. I just want to take a moment out to kind of recognize that about you. Like you have an incredible, incredible character and, yeah. you know, wishing you continued success there. I just want to point that out. That's funny you said that. <laughs> now, you know, it's funny you said that because I found myself not saying that it's right, but I, I defended an artist one time, right, um, that I had worked with. I got a plaque with this artist, platinum plaque, right? Huge, huge artist. And um, I, t when I work with the artist, I'm not gonna say a name because I don't, I don't want to get it out there like that. But um, I work with this artist. The artist was very, I could tell he was an introvert, like very weird, but not lame or nothing like that. Like what, what the co alleged cool kids in high school would call them, like weird or you know, like probably sitting in front of the school bus, get off first while we in the back wilding out, right? Yeah. Um, when I met the person, um, I know I thought they were cool. I didn't have, they didn't do nothing to me, you know what I'm saying? But I noticed they were doing some things, it was very inconsistent of humbleness, right? It was like sometimes and then it'll be they'll laugh, they, they, they had did something to the engineer and I looked at him and I was just like, That's just not right. Like like if that was me, I probably would have knocked you out, right? That's what I was thinking in my head. But um so I was with a female and a female was like you know, I'm I'm never listening to his music again. Like I would never, ever listen to his music again. She took it very personal, and I didn't blame her. But <clears throat> what I explained to her was, I said, "You gotta understand this, because what I did in since middle school, since sixth grade, I've been an entrepreneur. I was selling snacks, drinks, whatever. I was creating drinks. I would take water bottles, empty them, make my own drink, just because my other two homies were selling name brand drinks that other companies. I wanted to figure out my own way, right? But in doing that, I was able to work the whole bus instead of just being in the back with the alleged cool kids, right? Because all the little kids in the front that bought my stuff, they did really good business. All the kids in the back wanted to borrow something, right? So going back to this artist, when you say being humble, and I love being humble because I had the luxury, and I, and I never take this for granted, of being whatever people clarify as cool or handsome, you know, when people say, oh, I wish I had this girl back in school, like I really had the girl that everybody wanted in high school, right? And I was always around all the cool kids that could play basketball and fight in middle school. I grew up like that, very consistent with all of the, you know, whatever you call it, right? So I understand there's a kid in that front of that school bus that has a gift, and there's a point in time where he's bullied. There's a point in time where the pretty girl won't even acknowledge him. She won't even know he in the class. There's a point in time where 
he dresses weird. You know, he may not have nice things or people may make fun of him. And then it happens where he was actually the dopest one. He ends up doing music. And he's the most creative kid and he's still a weirdo. But now, and what happens is you notice that the attitude is that look at me now that like, nah, like y'all didn't, like I, I, I've, been, I've been played with and made fun of my entire life. It's so hard to be humble at this point. You know, I'm, I, I try sometimes, but then it comes out because I fought so long to get this girl or I fought so long to get people to say that I'm actually cool. That's what I did all of this for, didn't I? You know? Yeah. And so I forgave him because of that matter. I, I felt like that's what exactly what he had to be. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So when you say that, um, I'm not really, I don't say I'm more humble than the people who aren't humble. I give them a chance. Now, if 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 they seem like they got like a regular demeanor, then you don't really get no pass. But if you kind of got that, like even with, I never, not, I mean, this is not about Kanye, but Kanye kind of reminds me of why, you know, I would understand why he would, um, you know, end up with like, not nothing wrong with Kim Kardashian or anything, but, you know, just completely change sides or, or you know, date like, you know, I don't know why everybody consider him like a sellout. I don't know. What, what, what would you expect him to do? He, he's going to go get women with like, you know, created bodies and stuff like that. I mean, what do you what do you think he's going to do? He's going to go try to get the baddest, created, <laughs> perfect looking thing on earth because I highly, highly doubt he had that from day one. And I ain't mad at him. Yeah. Go get it. You know what I'm saying? Like, I ain't mad at his attitude sometimes. I, I, that's what I think it is to me. Now, I think it's a lot. Him losing his mom and like that whole like, nah, man, like, you know, Jay told me Nah, nah, see, he had a line about Jay-Z told him to wait. He said, Jay told me, nah, Jay, Jay, said, Jay looked at me like, nah, in due time. Now he looked at me like, damn, yeah, you where I am. And that's what that's about to me, you know? Yeah. And I, I try to explain that to people sometimes. I was like, you really got to be understanding because that happens a lot. Yeah. You know, the underdog and stuff. Like, yeah. <laughs> you got to give him a little chance to get it, <laughs> get it up off them, you know? And I'm forgiven to that. But the, the girl wasn't. Yeah. Like, Hell no. Like, <laughs> he told the he told the engineer, oh, he he's a genius, by the way. He told the engineer, the engineer was playing a song, and he and he he brung it back. He like started it back. Cause he was trying to listen to the hook to the next hook to do his verse. And the engineer started it over. And he took whatever was on the table and threw it at him. It was like, oh, don't wow. ever stop the music. Like yelled at him. Like went in his face like this and that, and that. I was like, it's just not it's not necessary, but Yeah. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? <laughs> <laughs> well that's I mean, interesting perspective, you know, and not everybody in all fairness, not everybody moves the same way. You know what I mean? And sometimes it's it's really great to hear your perspective and the maturity and the professionalism that comes with it because like you were saying about the young lady, you know, I don't know if she was an artist, but if she was, that could have stopped her from being successful. She, she was an artist. So that right. could possibly stop her from, you know, securing the bag and being successful yeah. because she's taking it so personally. So that's another lesson in, in there, too. You know what I mean? You got to mm -hmm. kind of separate it like, hey, that's just who that person is. And that's just how they move, you know? Yeah. Nah, yeah. <laughs> Facts. <laughs> so let's talk a little bit about the challenges in being an independent artist. And I know we tapped a little bit on this, but I'd love to kind of know more about what you feel like are some of the top things that you've had to go through and kind of impart some advice again for those out there listening that are also independent artists. <sighs> independent 
this is where I feel like the first step of where independent actually is better than not being independent. The game changes. I said that, right? The game never stays the same. It will adjust. It will evolve. It, the people will change. The rules will change. The sound will change. The look will change. The art will change. It will never stay the same. Some stuff may come back, but it won't stay the same, right? With saying that, if you were the major or you're with... Now, majors, they try to take care of so many things. They try to control your budget. They try to, you know, these words like budget and all of this stuff and commercially sound, these words that I hate that are in contracts that really prevent you from doing what you're supposed to be doing for you. Um, <clears throat> the major can take care of so much. They can use your budget here and there. They can make so many plays. If you're not physically there to get that contact or see how it was done, you'll never be able to do it for the next person under you. That's why it's confusing to me why a lot of artists go sign an artist and they're not even independent. I don't like I don't like that because it's like, well, how how is it that you, you can't guarantee them that you're going to put them where you are and past you? Because you don't really know all of, all of the steps. You can't really, like everything that I did, I literally could do it for somebody else at a way faster rate. I literally could show, hey, but this, this is what doesn't work. This is what does work. This is what we're going to put this money here. It, it, at minimum, we'll get them to where I am or bigger in a very short, short point of period of time. So that's what independency is about is kind of, you know, going through the steps. So, you know, if, if somebody's babying their child, you know, all the way to, to, until they're 30 and they've never went and, you know, looked up houses and bought a house or, or even found an apartment or went and got a car... You know, or, or went and got a dentist appointment or like that. Those things sound very easy until that parent stops doing it and you literally go, all right, here, here you go. <laughs> go into the real world. Go get a car. You're like, yo, I need help, man. I need a cosign. I don't got my information. I got to go get my uh, birth certificate. I don't even know where the, where the office is. It's a lot. And when you're independent, you have to do those steps. You have to physically take the time with your team to get the re do the research, find it. Now, it takes a little time. And what people get discouraged is, if I got to do 10 steps, and you may have a little label doing a lot of things for you, see, they're going to jump you right over me because I'm here trying to get this information for this step. And, I, and, and that's going to take me about you know a couple of weeks. And what you're doing, you may, you may skip me right there. And then you may skip me again. And, I, and then while, you're, while I was here and you're there, I may, I may be here. But the problem is, at some point in time, something may, not, something may not go right with that label. And you may end up here. You may come back here. And then I'm here. <laughs> you see what I'm saying? <laughs> you see what I'm saying? And then you may end up here. And then I'm here. And that's what I noticed happening. And I started seeing the signs of some of the things that people, when I started being around them again or... Seeing the vehicles like like I had like the uh, like my i eight that I had like I bought my second one but my first one like I was noticing that a lot of artists were like after they were getting off a sold out tour like I had noticed like so many artists had like the same vehicle that I had I just was laughing at that because I was just like that that's how that's how you can tell the difference sometimes you can you can you can almost feel the um, and it's not about comparing or, or checking the back it's just like Wow, we're buying the same things, but but the crowd would think that these people are just like way far gone. Like you can tell, like when Drake went and got the custom plane, you know that's different. Yeah. Yeah, he's he's running laps. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> what I'm saying? You feel me? Yeah. It's like not that I can't get there. Right. You know, I'm working my slow ground, but 
it's like you can you can you could tell when it's a difference. Yeah. But when we buying the same things, and some of my peers that that have had like hit records and big deals, like I've seen, like some of them don't even own houses, but I do. And like we'll have the same car or the same like price range of car, and I'll actually have something owned. You see what I'm saying? And so it's just like that's what independent grind does for you. Yeah. It show it shows you those steps, and it opens your mind because in that process you've built so many relationships with these people. They're also putting you on the game, on how to branch out and do these certain things, you know. So, um, which is how also I started my chauffeur business with my sprinter, because I went into that because I I started to go on the road, independently, and I started noticing that when you when you're on the road and you're really getting booked and you're getting paid. The promoter pays for your travel. So at first I start renting cars. I was like, you know, we rent cars every weekend. I'm like, damn, we spend about 250 on the whole weekend. That's with a plug. I'm like, damn. And once I started getting like four shows a month, I'm like, shoot, that's almost like six, seven, eight hundred a band. And then I was like, no, like, I might as well go lease me a car. I might as well lease me a sprinter. Make make the shows pay for it. Yeah. You know? And that was the independent group. Then I went and got another sprinter. Then I got that one customized. Then I went and got me two drivers, hired two drivers. And then I started renting it out to artists. You know what I'm saying? And and that's where that all came from the independent grind. Because if I was with a label, they would have just assigned me a tour bus or assigned me a sprinter. And I would have been coming out my budget and I wouldn't have really known how to do it myself. Right. See? So now, not only am I renting out my sprinter, I'm building relationships with other artists. And, and, and I'm taking care of them and they trust me and... They're doing me favors. I may say, hey, keep keep the money this time. Do this favor for my artists. And it, it all comes back. It all just rolls in. That's what the independent with the independent grind will always beat the major grind when when it comes to that. Yeah. Always. So let's talk about let's say I'm an independent or not even that I'm an independent artist, but I know I want to do music. I want to rap or I want to sing, right? What is my first step, in your opinion, to get my Foot in the door. <clears throat> um, first thing I tell artists now is um, have a unique name. Is your name unique? If it's not, change it. Like if 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 it's gonna be something where I search it, the people search it and other people pop up with you, stop. Like don't don't even start. Uh, strip all your social media down. Start your brand off right. Um, you know, go get some professional pictures. Um, get you a video guy that's gonna rock around with you for a minute. Get some visuals. Um, now I'm a little different than a lot, than most because the way the game is now, they're trying to look for the following to already be there and stuff. Um, and and that's cool. Like if you can find it, because it's hard to catch it now without before everybody else in their hands. But I like to do it from scratch. I like to do it when like everybody that I ever worked with, like they were like damn near homeless, right? So uh, I I like to start with the music and the brand from the jump. Now that I've learned that. Um, how can we brand the name, the face, and the music around a project to where when people hear you, um, they can believe it. They can believe exactly who that person is, right? Um, and so I'm very hands-on with music and creating uh, classic projects um, from start to finish, you know, um, that will have replay value later on. So that's that's just me personally. Everybody's not really about the music like that. I am um, because I, I'm... I'm I have, I'm prideful when the, when the, when a um when a br- when a play button is pressed on music, and so I kind of start with that the brand the look um and and kind of enhance it and put more weight on what I feel like makes you stand out, um that's very important. Sometimes the person may not see it, 
Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, <clears throat> uh, the person may not. So it's, it's good to have somebody um, that has that type of eye and ear to put it there for you. Um, that's why it's good to go do an open mic or two because you may catch, like, uh, a specific judge. Then they may not be right about the song because they don't always know, but they, they, the eye is, is very key. They, they look at you and say, oh, I like... Like they may be like, oh, this sounds good, man. But yo, man, I, I, I like your jacket, or I like your, I like your hair. They may count. They may say, oh, your, your hair's, your hair's dope. You know, emphasize that. You know, take those little tools, write that down in your head, and you know, maybe put color to it later, or do something creative or tricky to it. I don't know. There's, there's so many things that there's not one thing that works now. You don't know when someone's gonna look at. That's the thing about social media. It's not programmed television. It's, I'm not like Martin. I'm not coming on like you know, I'm not like a, a hit show power. I'm not coming on on this channel at this time, so I know that these eyes saw me at this time. No, people on social media may not even go to get on. Like somebody may not even get on Instagram that day and see what you did. They may come on on a certain come back. They may take a break. I'm taking a break on Instagram and can't come back. And the numbers may be high. You don't really know now, so that's why it's it's important that you're um, very consistent with your brand um, at, at some type of a rate. Well, what you're doing, you know? Yeah. So what do you, so let's break it down. What do you feel like is your biggest accolade in your career or your greatest successful moment in your career? Shoot. And this is just to date. There's more to come. We know that. <laughs> Maybe three. I can't give you three because it, yeah, it's very sure. hard. <laughs> so on the rap side, on the hip hop side, I when I when I first did Sway in the Morning, I felt I felt very high. Like I got to rap in front of them, and that was one I got to do DJ Premier show in New York, and that was huge for me because um, Reasonable Doubt is like one of my favorite albums of all time, and he played a huge part on that. And um, DJ Premier was is one of my favorite producers of all time. So just being around him, hearing him talk, seeing him scratch live. Like, I literally could care less about doing an interview at that point. I was just staring at him, right? <laughs> it was like, <clears throat> it was like, how did I get here? Yeah. Like, how did I possibly get in front of the man that did production and sound for, like, the goats? Like, what, what did I do to deserve to be here and do a song over his beat, you know? Um, that, and then my first time I had a fan, uh, I was at, a, I think, the core DJ retreat. It was this white lady. And um, she found out I was there, Old, older white lady, like not even not in, a, in my age bracket, not young, older and Caucasian. So that's like a, like a real, you know, oxymoron. And I saw her <clears throat> at first. She was just happy to see me at first. It was like, hi, oh, my God, like, boom, hug, you know, fan moment, typical, typical stuff. And then she's explaining to me, I had a song called Commitment. Commitment was literally... The first time, my first big song that went like viral with girls, it was actually that the same example that like Bryson Tiller had for Exchange, but I had did it in like 2014, 13, something like that. I don't remember. Um, and I, I was trying to do like I was like I want to start doing songs for the ladies. I was trying melodies and stuff. I was like fresh with it, um, and I, I hadn't really known the impact of that song yet. I just hadn't noticed it was getting like millions of views. I hadn't shot a video. It wasn't mixed. I, I wasn't prepared. And she was just like, yo, you know your song Commitment? And she started talking about it. And the more she talked about it, she cried. Yeah, she just <laughs> broke down crying. There's mad people everywhere. We're at an event. And she just like, she was like, 
um, the guy did something to her. That song was basically about, you know, I had a line in there, um, like, got me asking these questions, like, how you get a bass so fast? Like, basically, like, you, you'll be with somebody for so long in love, and the moment we're done, all of a sudden, you're, like, on Instagram with a whole nother person in love. Like, damn, like, you were that easy to fall in love with. Like, this really wasn't authentic. And that happened to her. Like, she was dating somebody, and she he broke her heart, and then was instantly dating someone else. Mm-hmm. While she couldn't date, she couldn't eat, she couldn't sleep, she couldn't work. And she said that that song saved her life. And that for me was, and I've gotten that a lot since then, but I hadn't seen that before. I hadn't seen that type of, you know, you you watch Michael Jackson shows and you're like, yo, why is this girl passing out? Like, why is she faint? Why is she fainting? You know, you, you see Prince and, and it's like, that ain't, that ain't happening to me. There's no <laughs> way that's going to happen to me, right? And so when that happened from an older white woman, it was like, Okay, I can't play with this. God, you gotta appreciate this. I, I, I gotta do this more, you know. And that's what made me do the before the heartbreaks and the after the heartbreak albums. And because when I started doing R and B, you know, I'm not Trey songs. I'm not gonna get on stage with my chest oily and straddle a girl. You know, I'm not Chris Brown. I don't. I'm not with the dancing. You know, which is very dope because he's one of the goats. You know, but I don't dance. You know, I don't do all that when I, when it comes to the R and B. You know, and I'm not like. You know, Ari Lennox and um and, and and all of the scissors, I can't really sing as powerful as the Miguel's and all of them. So my niche to 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 outdo them is the way that I can put my bars and like none of none of those artists can do that like I can. Nobody can. Like, you know, because I because I can literally rap with the goats and I can do it in the R and B. That's why you don't know anybody that that has done like six minute freestyles on Sway, has battled one one rap battles on stage and been on a sold out tour with like Sabrina Claudio and Black. Nobody's ever done that, ever, you know? Yeah. Like no one's ever done that. So that's really my lane. That's where I've found out how to separate myself. Um, when, it come, when I do do the R&B, if you actually listen, you'll notice my rhyme patterns are undone. No one in R&B does it, nobody. No one can, they can't. Even if they, if, even if they studied and heard it, they couldn't do it because you can't. No one can do those four, five, six, seven rhyme syllable patterns while singing like I do. And if they want to do it, they're going to have to come holler at me to do it. Because it's, <laughs> it's almost not impossible, but it's so tough to do that while literally having substance and making someone want to cry. I mean, you could do it, but it's, it's hard. Yeah. So um, that's where I kind of put myself in my own pocket. Yeah. So let's talk a little bit about the state of hip hop today. Because I'd love to get your take on this. Mm-hmm. What do you mm-hmm. feel or how do you feel about the current state of hip-hop? It's great. It's great. Like, I mean, you, you hear, like, people, oh, hip-hop's dead. And, I mean, bro, shut up, man. <laughs> shut up, bro. Like, shut up, man. Like, I think, I think, it's, I think it's great. Yeah. We got people in hip-hop right now that rap. And first of all, first of all, there were artists back then that dressed, that wore flamboyant things, first of all. I mean, I mean, I mean, I, I even grew up and got mature enough to, to, to stop trying to say, or, or he's gay, like it's an insult, or which is, which is BS, you know what I'm saying? So it's like, or the fashion, or, or the sound is too simple. You know, it pisses me off when I hear like, 
like I grew up on Funk Flex. I love Funk Funk Flex. You know what I'm saying? Like, like, like I can't wait to go do a show. You know what I'm saying? But it's like when I hear these, you know, mumble rappers, and it's like, wow, because to say mumble is to insult the culture of another city. They're not mumbling. Like a lot of them not mumbling. They're saying things, but that's how they talk. Because I can be from New York and say, yo, man, what the fuck is you talking about? And I can be from Atlanta and say, man, you talking about, but to, to you, for you to, to say mumble in an insult, in an insult, in a, uh, in a, in an insulting manner is disrespectful to hip hop. He's bad for hip hop. He's not knowing that. And no one's telling him that, you know, and to me, that's the problem. Um, the older guys that are not accepting, because there's a lot of older guys that that are adjusting with the game. Like there's a lot of them that are like, "Yo, this kid's dope," and they're working with those people. But I love what hip hop is because you still got, you know, this. There's, there's still a lot of hip hop heads like Danny Glover. I love what he does. You know, Kendrick's, Cole, Crit. You know, even all the way down to Saha. Like you know, he still bring back that whole like the kid outside that got the bars. Like you know, um. It's in a great state, and it's just that Atlanta has it, and they're very influential in the slang, and those kids out of Florida like Kodak, like, I don't care all the nonsense Kodak does, the gimmicks, he ain't my man, so that's his problem, I'll pray for him, but Kodak is a fire, like, that boy really can rap, like, when him and T.I. was going back and forth, what Kodak did was wrong, and he did apologize, he's forgiven, but... I don't think T.I. really out, over outdid him on a, on a battle. I think T.I. had a dope little verse, but so did Kodak. He was going in. Yeah. And, and, and slurred and, and, and country as he was, <laughs> shit was fire, you know? So I love where hip-hop is at, right? It, yeah. Because people don't understand, I got bars for real, but my recording process, I start with my cadence and flow first. I mumble first before I put words to it. So for for Flex to say that he clear he could never create a song, you know he could never do it. Or I was like, I mean, but that's the conversation I want to have with him for real. Like, yo, I really want you to understand. I really want you to go to Atlanta, close your mouth, you know, just walk. I'm gonna walk you to a club, you know. I just want you. I'm I'm gonna, I'm gonna walk you to a place where where they got good barbecue on the east side. We're gonna, we're gonna, we're gonna go eat on Memorial Drive, and I want you to sit in line. Get off your phone and listen to the first five people in front of you order their food. You know what I'm saying? Or listen to the people behind <clears throat> the counter. Talk to those people. Yeah. Country as hell. And I dare you to sit there and say, hey, yo, stop mumbling. <laughs> <laughs> That's what you're doing, basically. Right. You're basically telling those people not to mumble and rhyme while they, while they talk how they talk. They can't help that. And so I love where it's at. It's great. You know what I'm saying? It's, it's more embracing. You know, I think that... What folks are kind of tapping on when they say, like, hip-hop is dead, they're really talking about how it's transitioned. And, I mean, respectfully, and this is just my opinion, it's always going to be in a state of evolution. It's not, nothing is ever going to be bound to pretty much stay the same. Everything has to evolve. And, like, even if you're thinking about, like, old school, what we consider old school hip-hop, it got a lot of flack then, too. You know what I mean? When you think about, what's the record? <clears throat> 
white lines when you're talking about drugs in the in in, in uh, the inner city. And you know, there was a lot of flack for that because a lot of folks were saying, Well, why are you playing that record? I wanna party, I wanna go to the club, I don't wanna hear about white lines, I don't wanna hear that. You know what I mean? So it was evolving then. And to see, you know, obviously it's not necessarily the same, you know what I mean, but it has evolved and I think people need to talk about that because I think that it is a valid point to bring up, you know, that it has evolved, it has changed, but I don't think, to say that it's dead, I think that that's kind of like, I think it's extreme. You know? It ain't it's dead. extreme. Yeah, absolutely. It's still what it always been. Like, like when you, when <clears throat> I had seen Offset said about how the Migos, and I think that they played a huge part in the game. Like, they're like very influential to the culture, like did a great job. He made a comment about, you know, they turned hip hop into pop culture, but, I don't even know if he know, like, it's been that. It's just that they did it in a time where their numbers were reported on the streaming sites. You can do that now, but if the Migos, Migos would have won today or back in the day, but back in the day they would have had to do it hard copies, but those numbers wouldn't have looked pop. But now it, we've been the most influential um, genre always. Like, they, they, they fooled us for a minute like pop and rock was really killing. No, it wasn't. No, it was not. It's hip hop. Yeah. Like when, when you really travel and you go to London and China, they want to be rappers so bad. Nobody wants to be. Even even when Michael Jackson was killing, it wasn't like you were seeing a bunch of Michael Jacksons running running around. It wasn't happening. He was just him. He was so unique how he sounded, how he looked, dressed. No, people let Mike be Mike, but rap is like, yo, I want to be that. Like I, I have to be that. I want to talk like that. I can't wait to use that word at school today. Like, like when was the pop and rock ever that? Never, not never. It ain't never happened. So, but it was just that it was so much bootleg. It was mixtapes. It was barbershops. It was. But now in a barbershop, yo, they stream. They got the YouTube thing on. Like my barber literally turns on YouTube. It ain't no. Oh, I, it ain't no dude walking in like yo. I got CDs, DVDs. That's dead now. Yeah. So for people to say that. Hip hop is that no, it's better than it's ever been, and also some some of these people are the problem. Like they're they're literally, it's like those people that's like complaining about yo, it's traffic up there, man. Like why why is so much traffic? And then you pull up, and then you realize it was an accident, and instead of zooming past it, you even stop and look and create more traffic for the people behind you. <laughs> so that that's also what's going on. You know what I'm saying? In the game is like more people are are a part of the issue. Like. You remember when, like back in the day, when people were beefing, they were really beefing. Mm -hmm. It was not fake. They were these people really had problems. They were source awards, stabbing each other. So now when you and then I hear people say, "Yo, all this fake beef. Well, which one you want? I'd rather it be fake, because it's gonna be there regardless. I'd rather it be fake than to be real, because now what's happening is it's coming back forward." And it's becoming real again because people are like, you know, I don't want them to catch me with it being fake, so I really want to do something. Now you notice people really killing each other. You, you see what's going on here? Y'all wanted it back so bad that it's coming to that. Now nah, the era was actually cool when it was fake, when it was wrestling, when it was WWE and it, nothing was happening to, to, the, to the artists. Now these artists are really beefing with each other again. You see, although no, that's what y'all wanted, right? That's what, that's what you wanted. You wanted this. You wanted this to be like this. You know, all the unwritten stories, all the artists back in New York and Cali. These, like this, some stuff wasn't even fully reported. Like these dudes were really beefing. They couldn't even go outside and be at the same venue. Oh, yo, I heard homie, somebody with a Wu Tang hoodie on, man. We can't go because we had an issue with them. Like that's crazy. Yeah. But that's what they want. Right. You know what I'm saying? Right. 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 
And then the, the other thing I want to kind of point out too is, you know, kind of going back to, you know, when folks are talking about like hip hop being dead and stuff, I think yeah. the other side of it is people feel like there's not enough sustenance in, in, in hip hop. There's not enough substance. Mm -hmm. People talking about fluff, right? you right. know, cars, hoes, <laughs> jewelry, and there's not enough conscious rap. Which I feel like you could, and I, I'm, I'm pretty objective, so I always like to play both sides. But to that, I can argue, you can argue that for every genre. There's not going to be, you know, um, uh, uh, everybody's not going to be a Michael Jackson or a Prince or a Beyonce. Not everyone's going to be that. You're going to have different styles, different topics, different lyrics, different bars, all that. You know what I mean? So I feel like, and then the, the other part of it is the support. You know, because a lot of people feel like, you know, the the fluff artists get more support than the artists that really have political statements to say or social for statements. For to sure. Say. You for know sure. what I mean? Because that's just that's the average the average consumer it's <clears throat> another thing people gotta understand when you're marketing and you're selling. I'm a salesman all day. Like I could take this bottle right here and we walk two blocks, it's gone. I could I could sell this bottle wherever we out right now. Like I have that, right? So my mind is always on us. So even as I'm like, we're different people, right? So I say that in the sense of saying is you have to understand the average consumer. So we already know <clears throat> majority rules now that the numbers are not as fabricated. Some of it is, but a lot of it, like, it'll catch up eventually. Like, the real numbers will catch up. It'll lap you because of the kids and what the regular people want to do. You know, so... Let me get back to my point. <clears throat> so what the average consumer is, they necessarily may not have a lot of substance. Regular people. There are some people that don't know what they want to do for the rest of their life. They may go have a regular job or do whatever. Um, those people are everyday people, you know. And the everyday person are now controlling the numbers. So I'm not really mad at some of the kids that only rap about some of that. Not Because that's really, like some of them are literally that in real life. Some of these kids are literally doing drugs and partying. Like you, you, you know, there's girls that go to the club all week long, right? Mm -hmm. Right. <laughs> go to work just to go go to the club at night and find. I mean, those people want to hear that stuff. They like you remember what was that movie? Was like, I don't, we don't want to hear that bullshit, Sharif. Sharif was like trying to preach on the block. He and he end up asking oh, for Oh yeah 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 like man shut up Sharif we don't want to hear that we 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 want to talk about guns and butter we don't want to hear that right now right, right, right. like because because a lot of people you know what you know what it also is people can't consistently be that person you know what I'm saying like you like the old Cole stuff like J Cole you know he got so many songs that can make you such a, a better person. But it's like damn man like I can't be that person every day man sometimes I just want wild out man. I, right. It's hard to be that. It's like church, you know. It's like, man, I can't keep up with this. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? It's like, so I, I think that's also what it is. So I said that to say, if you go to the club, there's, there's so many, there's a line that actually makes the club full. You know, VIP sections don't pack out a club. But <clears throat> there are people that wait outside that free line that get there before 12 to be on the dance floor, you know, to either look at the people in the VIP section that's popping or they don't even see them. They just lit and dancing around. And those are the people that can like. If you go into a pack club, that will really explain to you what streaming is these days. That's what's going on. Like, like 
You, if you pack out VIP and you pack out the dance floor, the dance floor will always win. When, 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 but that's also what makes the person in VIP buy that section because of the average consumer. So we're nothing without them. So we're nothing without that fluff stuff that you're talking about. Yeah. We're nothing without it. So it needs to be there. You know, you need to have that option to jump into that and jump out of it, you know. So um, I'm not mad at it, you know. I'm not mad at it. So looking ahead, where do you see hip-hop heading in, like, the next decade? Yo. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I don't really know. I'm going to be honest with this. Business-wise, I don't know. But I promise you, every time I do this... I'm holding on. I'm holding on. That's why I'm on, you know, the tune cores and the sound clouds and, uh, and I'm and I'm talking to like the Tumas and the Greg Teases and the like all of these people. I'm talking to you know the the, uh, the the Majimas over at Spotify. Like they know what their what their company is about to do next. So I say this to say to people, playlisting is at an all time high, which is why blogs and all of those magazine companies they're not gonna t- tell you. They need to do a write up about themselves and say, hey guys. We're hurting right now because they are. They're doing very, very bad. And they won't publicly say it, but they are. All of the that's why even you notice like with the double XL, like more and more artists are saying no. Like, I don't well, Jay Z was one of the people he'd been he did that back back in the day, like, yo, like, you know, a magazine company put me in there, tell them I want seven hundred percent, which is like whatever you made times seven, right? <laughs> so it's like right now, people know people now know that okay, playlisting is the new wave, right? But what they got to understand is that can change. It's going to keep getting bigger and bigger, but that can change. What you need to do is whoever put you on that playlist, whoever runs that playlist, that's who you need to meet. Because what's going to happen is they're going to know what that company, Apple, Tidal, Spotify, Deezer, whatever, SoundCloud, whatever. There's people who are hired at that job to say, we have to evolve next year, in 2020 and 21 and 22. We're gonna actually going to be doing this to either help artists or shift the culture for the artists. You need to be close enough to that person so when you do have a meeting with them, they tell you. That's the only way you're going to know. Yeah. You know, and so that's, that's me. So I'm, I'm giving that jewel because people, they're, they're so, oh, I want to get on a playlist. But, bro, do you, do you even know that person? Did you even check? Did you even tell them when they did something for you? Yo, if you need something when you come to my city, I got you. Did you do that? Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, did, yeah. did, did it, is it any of that energy? And if it's not, when that playlist thing is done, you're not going to be able to get to the next level. I guarantee you won't. So that's key. And just musically for me, I'm always ahead of the curve. I've been doing things. Um, when I did Commitment in TLC, when I did TLC, TLC was, I did that, I recorded that song maybe 2014, 15. And when I put it back on Before the Heartbreak, people tried to call it Trap Soul because Bryson was killing. Bryson was murdering the game. But I had already put an R&B sample over Trap. I already had those 808 Mafia and Shoddy Red drums and put it over that. And I tried to actually sell that song to Akon at his writing camp. And they were telling me, oh, good record, but it's too slow. But that record had, I got that like over 14 million streams like on every single platform. All of them separately, even on SoundCloud, right? And I hadn't did a press run for that song. I hadn't had a video out for it yet. And it was just going. It was just going viral. I didn't know what it was. 
But it was funny because I had people tell me that that song was too slow. Like nobody, they weren't ready. People in Atlanta wasn't getting played in the club. But that's one of my. That, that's a huge record. That's a hit record, and it, and it was huge for my career. You know, I made so much from that record, and it's crazy because people were saying that it was too slow or you can't do that or I'm all, musically I'm all, I'm ahead of the curve. But on the business sense, I'm open enough to be cool with the people like you know. Like to, the tumors and stuff, and you know, because you know he he revolutionized playlisting with rap caviar, yep. but now you know he left Spotify and he's with YouTube Music. Now you gotta you gotta know these things, yep. you know. If I'm talking to somebody, if somebody, if I'm talking to an artist and they go, yeah, man, I'm working on getting on this playlist, and I'm like, for I'm like, yo, you know, tumor, nah. It's like, bro, you, you, you so if you do get on the playlist, I hope you do, but you won't last too long. <laughs> you won't last too long. You gotta have because you're not you're not you're not paying or you're not doing it right, bro. Yeah. You're trying to take the easy route. You're, just, you're hearing about rap caviar, but if I ask you who started it, you telling me about hip hop, but who created hip hop? African bravado. You don't know these things. At some point, it won't keep working. Pay your homage and really learn what this is, man. Right. So it's like I did those things. You know, so I, I I took the longer route. Right. You know. But okay, so I'm gonna interject to that point because I love that you said that. Because I feel like a lot of today's hip-hop artists, like they, I won't say majority because I can't really say that, but <clears> I think a lot of today's hip-hop artists don't know the origins of hip-hop. A lot, especially a lot of these like younger artists, they don't know who the greats are. They don't know who, who B.I.G. is. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. And but that's probably, all I got to say about that. But John <laughs> you, know you know what's funny? What? <clears throat> they really do. Well, they shouldn't be going online saying they don't, because some have publicly come out and said that they don't. Because I mean, a fool only gonna say what a fool know. They know. They not the way you're saying. That's that I. That's that I think I'm telling you about. It's chain reaction. So somebody may say, Nah, man, I ain't really, I ain't really know about Biggie, man. I, I grew up on Ti. I grew up on Drake. Who you think they love? Who you think they love? Right. I, I, I could ask. I could ask, like, I think, like, Lil Yachty was saying, like, that stuff, right? I love Lil Yachty, too. He's from Kyle County, too, so I'm repping for my boy. <laughs> I, I, I like what he do. He's really good with his cadences. He's, he's amazing. Another, he's another one, right? In good spirit. Great for the culture, right? Mm -hmm. Somebody that they would consider a mumble rapper, right? But yeah. but promotes positivity, smiles in every interview. Love Yachty, right? He could say that, but then he'll go say, Drake is his, is the, is his favorite artist, or right? But Drake's last album had DJ Premier on it. Come on, man. Drake's last album had somebody who was a part of everything in the 90s. Right. So who did stuff with, the, with all of those guys. So you can't tell me you don't know Biggie and Pac. I mean, come on. You, ha you, you, you think that stuff ain't in you, and it is. Because all of these artists that you love now actually paid that homage. So yeah, you, you do you do love Biggie. Yeah. Just don't know it. You you don't, yeah. you just don't know. You're just foolish. Just, just it's okay. You're young. He he he'll, he'll figure it out. No, nothing new under the sun, my brother. So, <laughs> end of the day, Drake like that's why I love what Drake do. Drake to me, it's beyond what girls and everybody glorify him to be. What they hear, they don't even understand that this dude pays. He's taking so much from the new age and the old school. Like when I seen DJ Premier on his album, and Just Blaze and and, uh, and DJ Paul, I was like, bro, I, I just I just I just want to say that's dope. Yeah. 
Because <clears throat> you're doing things that when people do get of higher power, they don't go back and do. And he does that a lot. Like he had re, he re, he did uh, it's yours on some R and B stuff that Wu Tang did. The world in the palm of your hands, double LP from Wu Tang Clan, <laughs> and he took it. It's yours and made it to a girl song. And, and to me, it's just like yo. And you know, I started doing hip hop because of Wu Tang. So when I hear that, you know, the kids, the girls are not knowing. They're just thinking, oh, he's daddy's saying it's yours, but they're not realizing this is from. Wu- and I asked the girl, you know about Wu Tang? Nah, yes, you do. You don't think you do, but you would have never got that record if it wasn't for him. Right. You know, so I mean, they could say that, but they don't. They just don't know. Just yeah. don't, don't don't get mad at him. Biggie's still getting his love. Listen, I get your perspective. I yeah. agree with your perspective too. I think for me, it's just I think I've always <clears throat> been told if you don't know something, you don't got to put it out there. That's number one. Hmm. Or or actually, let me rephrase that. If you don't know something. Don't front like you know about something. Mm. And then also, it's not so much important that you know everything. You just need to know who to ask. So I say that to say, I think if you're, and this is for any lane, whether it's music, whether you want to be a doctor, whether you want to be, you know, a teacher, understand your craft, understand what you're getting into. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. That's like uh, someone that's aspiring to be a historian, let's say, mm-hmm. and they don't know nothing about history. Yeah. You know what I mean? And yeah. I think, to, to me, what makes you, you can either be a good artist and just focus strictly on your craft, mm-hmm. on your talent, or you can be a great artist and you can still focus on your craft, hone your craft, but you understand the history. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Like, I have sometimes artists will say, hey, I want to be the next Beyonce. Okay, it's not enough that you have talent. You know what makes part of what makes Beyonce great is because she understands the business. She right. understands what she's getting into. Right. She understands the history. You right. know what I'm saying? So I say all this to say, I think if you really truly want to be a great artist, and spe- specifically with hip hop, understand what you're getting into. Like yeah. this is, it's not just music, it's culture. Mm-hmm. You, it's history. Like mm-hmm. understand the people that came before you. You may not necessarily have to pay homage, I get it, but understand who these greats are. Understand the origins because that's going to make you a great artist. That's I think he, I think he did, I think they do after they do that though. What you mean? I think I think that's when the lesson comes. Oh, after they kind of like yeah. put it out there and then yeah. it's like, but why does it have to happen like that? Why you got to get read for filth? You know what I mean? Online by posting, man, I don't, I don't like Biggie or I don't listen to Biggie. Like why? That's just my thoughts. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, nah, no, nah, for sure, for sure. You're right. You're right, though. You're right. But I, I think I think he knows now, though. Yeah. And I wasn't making this specific, because it's not one artist that has made this Oh, no, no, no. It's it, been it, quite it, a it's few. Been, it's been a lot. So I'm it's not been a making lot. any, but, putting any names out. Yeah, but they just don't know. Yeah. They they, they still, <laughs> they still right. got that stuff in them. Right. Like, they may got some KRS-One, uh, like, you know, 50 love KRS-One. And a lot of the kids, like, yo, I grew up on... Keep Richard Dodd trying, you know, and it enhanced my gangster. Like, but like, <laughs> you don't realize he was like, my favorite rapper said, check, check out my melody. You know, he, they don't realize that Where how much 50 from. got from that or LL, and he loved all of them, right? Yeah. So when you say, y'all don't, I don't care about no LL Cousin, I don't care about no Carousel, yes, you do. I just don't know. Right. But if you don't know, now you know. Right. <laughs> <laughs> right. So let's talk. About you and I mean we have been talking a lot about you. But what's <laughs> next for you? What projects do you have on the horizon? Uh, so I just put out Emancipation Proclamation, re put out After the Heartbreak, 
Um, so projects that I got coming soon, which I'll kind of speak about first here, is uh, got a project with um, Pacquiao out of the south side of Atlanta. Um, one of my favorite artists, going to be huge, super genius. People don't really know yet, but they will. They'll see it. <laughs> um, uh, called Two Sides of a Story. Going to do that probably at like the end of July, early August. Um, that's coming. I'm super excited about that. Um, I got another project that I got. It's going to be my first project that I'm doing all hip-hop from start to finish, but kind of like I do like my Heartbreak Projects, like a story. I'm going to kind of tell stories about me with my family, why I left the Bronx, um, um, where I'm from in the Bronx, my family, uh, how I came into the music game, what kind of set set me in stone on the north side, those type of things. So I'm, I'm gonna that that project is called uh, It Was Unwritten. So that's coming uh, toward the end of this year, and then I'm gonna drop the last heartbreak um, on February 14th, 2020. For the latest, it's gonna be my last heartbreak album. So, <laughs> yeah, you know, I'm already like 70% done with it. So, like, it's very emotional, and I'm looking forward to bringing some, some, uh, you know, happy tears out of people okay. with that. Okay, <laughs> cool. Yeah. So, what final advice do you have for independent artists? Who, with all I just gave, <laughs> let me see. And it doesn't have to be a whole lot. Like, if you had to just sum it up, maybe with one final tip. Independent artist, challenge yourself once a day with great energy in you and great energy around you, and you won't lose. Okay. Right there. Challenge yourself at least one time a day and keep your energy good in you and around you. Because <laughs> even if it's just in you and it ain't around you, it's going to wash you out. So if you got good energy, you can yell it all day. But if you don't surround it, it will affect you. And I, I got to say that multiple times because I know a lot of people with great energy, but they got a lot of bad energy around them. And they try to blame that later on. And that's not... I'm, you know, it's so funny we said that Amber Rose made a post <laughs> the other day and I thought it was important for people to see. She made a post. She said... And this is a grown woman. This is she's way older than all of us, for real. She looks good. Still. <laughs> she said she looks really good. And I wish I knew her because I would have pulled her to the side and I would have schooled her. Because she said, and she kept posting it. She was like, it's funny, I find it funny how all my people only hit me up when I got a party or I have an event. But when I'm not that, like every time I post something about a party, it's hey girl, this and that. But what people don't realize is you choose your energy. You choose your people. That's your fault. Like that, 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 these are the people that you've been promoting and marketing to and hanging with. You didn't know, you didn't know that? You didn't know that's how it goes? <laughs> like you, can, you, you have the option to choose. You know, you are what you eat. You know, you, 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 you chose that. I would never say nothing like that. Like the people around me will come around if I'm not even talking about a party. Check on me. Yo, you need something. If I need something, it's the same energy put back. And I've been dealing with that at a young age. That's her fault. That's her problem. And she needs to work on that and fix that because she has a child. And so I hope that she figures that out. I hope that somebody said, hopefully she has a mentor or something. Somebody said, that ain't their fault. You can't go on here and bat. That's what they do. 
That's the people that you, the one thing you have when you wake up every day is you have the option in your life to choose who you put in your life. Personal life is like a job. You can hire and fire who you please. No boss has a successful business by keeping disgruntled employees. doesn't happen. So I say that about your energy is even if you have good energy, if you don't keep the energy around, then it will wash you out. That's why she woke up frustrated. Right. Man, why am I getting all this love when I got a party, but when, I'm, when I don't, when I'm just not doing anything for people, I don't get nothing because that's your vibe. That's right. you. So... That's my advice to independent Size people. Size a profit today, y'all. <laughs> yeah, this every, this every day for real, man. Like I got a I got a son and I got a daughter, so I uh, I aim to put this not only in myself but them and their friends and other kids. I love I love dealing with children. You know, every single day I learn more from children than I do older people. You know, I try to I try to stay awoke and live and cool. You know, with these kids, man, they're crazy, man. So um, I, I, I preach this stuff, not to sound old, but to also keep my foot one in, you know, with that, but also one in with, with the kids and, and, and do what I do. Because my you know, my son is eight, my daughter is 11 months, so I try to stay very involved, you know? Yeah. Yeah. So for listeners out there, how can they keep up with you? You want to share your social? I mean, I'm on my social media. Like, I don't let nobody run my social media. So, uh, sorry to kid, one word, everything verified. S Y A R I D A K I D. All right, and on that note, let's get to the very, very final question. So, and I love this question because I think it's a great question to end on. What hip hop song has been the most influential in your life? And you can only name one. Take your time, brothers. How dare you? <laughs> How dare you do this? <laughs> one song. Like, I'll give you some more to go off of. Like, if you could listen, you can only listen to this one song for the rest of your life because you love it that much. What song would that be for you? What hip-hop song would that be? I'll share mine. Okay. <laughs> okay. Um... It's actually Jesus. This is You know what I think it is? I think it's it's not even a song. Jay Z did a freestyle on Funk Flex. It's this this one. He did a freestyle over Funk Flex over the Grammy family beat. Mm-hmm. Um and it was very important to me because not only was it live, it was his dialogue before and after and during it, how many times he kept messing up and catching it back. And then the things that he was saying. He talked about everything from his child, his wife, business, the ways that he um, evolved, grew in business. He literally touched everything that he did from family, father, to business in one verse while messing up but still catching it back and getting the message across live. Um, I think that that's something that I always go back and watch when I come back to doing my hip-hop. Um, and he has a lot of, you know, um, to be, to be, um, to, be uh, to succeed, you got to be crucified. And he was like, it's tough being Bobby Brown. To be Bobby then, you got to be Bobby now. So I think that 
Um, I am just trying to find some loopholes in the IRS, uh, concentrating on making a new hole through sex. Like so, he he did that. He was like, uh, I know he's like, uh, talking about how rappers. I I see a silly baguette. Ain't nothing wrong with baguettes as long as you get it home. You can go back to your home. You know, take care of your home. He's saying about you know it's, it's cool with getting jewelry and stuff, but go go buy you a house. Go, like he literally touched everything. That probably that's not even like a song. It's a verse he did that 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 right there for me. Go watch it though, cause he messes yeah, up a I'm lot. Going to. Yeah, he messes up a lot. Yeah, it's, it's, and I know you love Jay Z, right? Yes, I do. But you don't even know that joint right there. That's I don't, change. and I feel bad. That's gonna but you just you. put me. You I got just you. Put me I got on. you. I got you. All right, so what, so so what's what yours? Up. What's yours? Mine is shook ones, Mob Deep. Ooh. Man. Now. For me, the history of that was when I was a kid. You know, you remember Ride Playland, Ride Beach Playland. Okay, of course, Ride right? Playland. Yeah. So I used to always go to Ride Playland mm. like every single summer. Mm. And one summer it was this ride. They used to have a DJ mm. below just spinning, and then you would like ride in there and listen mm. to music. And I heard the record mm. playing, and like I was probably at that age, I had to be probably like ten. And I was mm. like, what? What is this? Yeah. Like, what song is this? That led me to start listening to Funk Flex. Yeah. And for those who don't know what mm. Shook Ones is, if you've never heard the record, it's uh, the opening song in 8 Mile with mm -hmm. um, Eminem. Mm -hmm. And I, um, yeah, I started listening to Funk Flex so I could catch it and start recording it. Mm -hmm. Then I finally started recording it, yeah. listened to it every Classic. day going to school. So that, that song that's my is record. Mood. That song is it mood. is. It's a whole. Yeah, rest in peace, Prodigy. <laughs> Shout the havoc, yeah, like yeah. <laughs> well, side, thank you so much for joining us today. I had yeah. a good time. <laughs> yeah, great to have you with us. Yeah. To our listeners, that's a wrap. Please don't forget to subscribe to Music Made Me, rate us on iTunes, and follow us on social media at TuneCore. Yeah, for sure. Thanks for listening to Music Made Me, the TuneCore podcast. The opinions expressed in this episode are those of the individuals talking and don't necessarily reflect the opinions of TuneCore. Check out TuneCore.com to help you distribute your music, register your original songs worldwide, and more. Connect with us on all social channels at TuneCore. Don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe to us on iTunes. 